0: some teaching last week on fasting, and Greg sent out, uh, or the, uh, Larissa sent out an email with a link to some material that Greg has pulled together, I read through that, I highly recommend it, uh, th- there have been several who've said, you know, we haven't had a lot of teaching on fasting through the years, and I'll have to take some of the blame for that. I sort of bought into the idea that that was a part of the Old Testament and we're in the New Testament and yet you've got to disregard some clear teachings even in the New Testament when Jesus talked about the idea that his disciples weren't fasting because they were with the bridegroom. But there was a time coming when the bridegroom would be gone and it would be appropriate uh, to fast Uh, About three years ago, I think it was, uh, Deborah and I began a regular practice of fasting, breakfast, and lunch on Wednesdays. And that day was selected out of solidarity with some of our partners in Africa. Uh, Shadonke Johnson, uh, my good friend that I've mentioned from time to time, has preached here at Stones River several years ago now. Uh, His team, Wednesdays are their fast day and uh, a day that they focus even more time in prayer. And prayer pervades the whole uh, series of movements there in Sierra Leone. And actually, uh, after we look at the passage, I want to share some prayer points that Shadanke prays every day by way of encouraging you in your own prayer life a lot of times here in the u.s when people talk about praying we focus more on quantity you know we need to pray more longer times and when you start trying to do that from where you're already praying the likelihood is you think you know how could i pray for an hour or three hours you know what, what do you pray about all that time and if you look at a lot of the prayer list of a lot of congregations there are a long list of people who are friends of friends of friends who have cancer. And I'm not opposed to that kind of prayer list. But if that's all you pray about, and you're like me, you're going to de- deal with depression. It's, it's really difficult to persevere in prayer when all you're focusing on is brokenness on dying. Now that's not to say that you know, we don't believe in God's healing power. One of the things that Shadonke prays for every day is there will be more of the miraculous. Uh, but God's Word has called us to pray about much more than physical illness. Uh, But before we look at those prayer points, I want you to consider with me Philippians chapter 1. John emailed out and I responded and then my daily Bible reading that day was from this section, the New Testament part, was from Philippians chapter 1. And I was reminded of a a statement that the uh, brother uh, who taught Paul's epistles when I took it back in Bible college many 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 years ago decades now he said imagine when you read through Paul's letters how long his prayer list must have been in light of all of the places that he sends letters to and he says I just keep praying for you and how long that prayer list kept growing Philippians chapter 1 is one of the passages where he references his time of prayer. And uh, just a little bit, a lot of times when we preach sermons from passages like this, we spend most of our time giving background, and there's some value in that. Um, But we don't get to the word enough. One piece of background. When Paul responds to what we call the Macedonian call, you're reading through Acts and He he wants to go over into Asia, and the Spirit won't let him. He wants to go up into Galatia, and the Spirit won't let him. And all he's left to do is just keep going north, northeast, I mean northwest. And he gets to the coast, and during the night he has this vision of a man from Macedonia. say, come over and help us. You know where he goes after that vision? It's Philippi. This is the place God has called Paul to. And now, years later, he's writing them. He's been imprisoned. What would you say in a letter to a place that God kept saying no and no? And then he finally says, yes, this is right where I want you right now. This this is the place that's prepared for you. Philippians 1.1, 1, 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. Imagine when this letter's read for the first time in Philippi. Paul thinks about us and he breaks out in thanksgiving. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Later in chapter 4, there's going to be a a reference to the fact that they've sent a, a financial gift to Paul. And he's remembering this is their, their generosity has been on a, an ongoing, long standing part of their relationship to him. I'm sure when you came back from Peru, part of your time early on was spent. Going and visiting those churches and those families, those individuals who've been in partnership with you and thanking you, them, for their generosity. This letter is a letter of thanksgiving for financial partnership. And Paul says, It just gives me great joy. Because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What they've been doing gives him joy, his knowledge of God and God's character, that he's faithful, that he's able to to carry them through the hard times, bring them to successful completion. It's right for me to feel this way about you, he goes on to say. Since I have you in my heart, for whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you will be able to discern what is best, so that you will be pure. So that you will be the blameless until the day of Christ. Paul's prayer is for their maturing. Paul's prayer is for their increasing holiness. Paul's prayer is that they will live out the righteous standing that they have in Jesus in their daily lives in increasing amount. that their love will grow more and more in knowledge deeper and deeper in insight now I want you to know brothers what has happened to me has happened has really served to advance the gospel here he's beginning to talk about his arrest being taken to Rome As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. We know from the close of the book of Acts that Paul spent two years under house arrest and there were guards stationed at the door of this house. And here Paul gives us the indication that throughout the palace guard, the gospel's gone. Can you imagine being Paul's guard? You're assigned to spend the whole day there, making sure this guy doesn't get away. He, he's got these guests coming in, and he's spending time and dialogue with them about the word. And this guy, obviously, really believes what he's been teaching. He's not pouting, he's, he's not depressed over his circumstances. He sees everything going on in his life as an avenue for the spread of the good news of Jesus. Even into the emperor's own guard's. As a result, it's become known, clear throughout the whole past guard to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ because of my chains. Most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. A lot of times when we hear about persecution breaking out, have to confess there's a, a moment of, you know, Maybe we ought to step back. Maybe we ought to move out of these areas. Maybe we ought to go to other places. Paul's example is quite the contrary. The boldness in the midst of those difficulties actually begins to embolden others who start to speak with more courage, with less fear. It's true that some proclaim Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill, the latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers, Paul's been praying for them, and he knows they've been praying for him. Through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Have you ever thought about your prayers connecting to the Holy Spirit? There are things God wants to do through His Spirit. That some way, somehow, and this is a mystery I cannot explain. Our prayers have an important connection we have a role to play in the ministry of intercession that is bigger that's more significant that has more power in the heavenlies than i think most of us have ever recognized I, i can certainly say that's true for me my understanding was so inadequate. It's not like some people say, you know, prayer is so powerful. God is so powerful. And prayer is a unique way we partner with Him and with the work of His Holy Spirit. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Then in verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Will you pray with me? Father, you are the one and only You are worthy of our praise. And Father, I praise you for that vision in Revelation 7 that John had of people from every tribe, every tongue, every language gathered around your throne. And I thank you for our opening song today. That testifies to the fact that he reigns. You are on the throne that Jesus is seated at your right hand and your Holy Spirit is working in our world to bring everything to fruition that's calling people from every people group into that faith relationship with you. And Lord... We live for that. We long for that. We intercede for that. Father, teach us to pray. Lord Jesus, teach us to pray as you prayed. Give us this vision so deeply with our hearts that it will not let us go. Train us up. To be powerful in intercession. Not because of our strength. But because of you and your promises. Who you are and what you're about. Lord. Teach us to pray well. Teach us to pray your heartbeat. Teach us to have an incredible love. For those who don't know you yet. Father, I pray that during this coming week. As Megan shared. You'll point out to us in our daily lives. Some people who need family so desperately. That we would invite them in. Jesus, give us your heart for the nations. Give us your heart for the hurting and broken, the lonely, the downcast. Teach us to pray. In Jesus I pray, amen. Very much in the spirit of this chapter, my good friend Shadonke, Uh, praise. I've been in a a guest house that's just behind where his house is located. And often in the early morning hours, you'll hear talking. And if you get up and the sun's just barely started up usually, you'll see Shadonke walking back and forth. Praying, singing praises, praying, singing praises, calling out to God. And then a bit later there will be a, a big family gathering and they'll do a, a family form of the Discovery Bible Study uh, seated out around a courtyard. God's Word permeates their lives and prayer is so critical. It's the lifeblood of movements. And praying and fasting are attributed to the explosive growth of new disciples in some of the hardest to reach Muslim communities across Africa. In Sierra Leone, over the last 20 years, Shadonke has raised up about 10,000 intercessors. He can send out a text message to a key leader. And within an hour, 10,000 people will be praying regarding that request. And many others in other nations been impacted from March 2005 to 2019 it's been estimated 24 disciple making movements have started with over 11,000 new churches comprised of more than 500,000 new believers many of them from Muslim areas I want to share the the list with you number one for God to send laborers into the harvest field for an increase in the number of disciple makers and intercessors I'll be happy to send this to you Megan's taking pictures and that's the easiest way to take notes if somebody's using slides with a lot of words on them uh, but I'll be happy to share these uh, Luke ten two. Jesus speaking says the harvest is plentiful when he sends the 72 out, but the workers, they're few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Finding new workers is God's heartbeat first and foremost, and it's us partnering with him. Number two, God that God will touch the hearts of men and draw them to himself. In 1 Samuel 10, verse 26, Saul also went to his home at Gibeah, and with him went men of valor whose hearts God had touched. When God brings the the workers, the the friends, the co-laborers, the intercessors around you, they'll stick with you. In John 6, 43, 45, Jesus is addressing some of his questioners. He he says, stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise them up in the last day. It's written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. As you meet those lonely people, as you interact with folks that you recognize desperately need meaningful family, start to pray that God will draw their hearts to Jesus. Jesus is the answer. They don't know sometimes they even have questions. But begin to pray that their hearts will be drawn to him. Number three, pray for open doors for the gospel. In Colossians, when Paul writes the church there in Colossae, chapter 4, verses uh, 3 and 4, he says, And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. We know from Philippians 1, one of the doors God opens in answer to this prayer is in the the guards themselves. Number four, pray for persons of peace. In Luke 10, when he sends them out praying, one of the things that they're strategically to do is to look for persons of peace, these households of peace that will be receptive. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking, whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. It was such an incredible release for me. When I realize that my responsibility isn't to try to change the mind of everybody who's in a disagreement with the gospel. A lot of Bible college and seminary training can focus on trying to be the answer guy or gal for any question anybody would ever raise. And the more we focus on that, and especially teach and preach about it, the more ordinary folks think, well, I couldn't do that. Guess what? That's not the effective strategy. That's not what Jesus models. He interacts with those who raise questions, but often he leaves them with more questions than they raised. Jesus focuses on finding the ones who are open to him. Households of peace. Once again, there, there are mystery things and aspects of this that we can't fully explain. When you find a household of peace, you'll know it in your inner being. Megan's shaking her head. There's some folks from Peru she's thinking about. You interact with them about spiritual things and they are so welcoming. They, they draw you in. They want you to stay with them. You're not having to try to sell something they don't want to buy. You've found people who have a spiritual yearning that they cannot explain themselves, but they feel it in their inner spiritual being, that you have something they need desperately and want even more. And and one of the best characteristics of a person of peace is they're not going to receive it by themselves. They're going to bring other friends or family around As strong as our individualism is in North America, this is true here too. And so if you've got somebody who's selfish with good things, they're probably not a person of peace yet. Now, I don't mean by that to just give up on them. Become their best intercessor but recognize they're they're not ready yet the goodness of the gospel is so good you've got to share it with somebody else and they're not persons of peace yet if they're holding on to it selfishly he prays every day that every stronghold and lie of the enemy will be broken 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 5. Paul writes, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, there's a responsiveness to God's Word. And God's Word has the power to tear out those strongholds. Any of you ever been attacked by a swarm of yellow jackets? You know, the ones that live down in the ground? Matt Matt has. Those are no fun. Boy, those things are territorial and painful. And they will send you... Okay, if you get down in the ground, there's this huge nest. When you read the word stronghold, I want you to think about that. But it's not in the ground, it's in your brain. There's a place, there's a pocket where Satan has convinced us of lies or deceptions. That become limitations. We don't go into that territory. We, we want God in our lives, all but this place. And and for some of us, these are traumas out of our youth. There's a group of us who, via text message, are praying for the neighborhoods around, and especially for Mitchell Nielsen School. And one of the prayer requests we got from somebody in administration, one of those two campuses, and I don't know which and don't need to know, shared that there's a young lady who was traumatized as a forced sex worker. They go through 6th grade at Mitchell Nielsen. One of your students, not at Mitchell Nielsen. This is another school. We've had a similar request from Mitchell Nielsen. There are traumas that are so deep that only God can heal them. Without that deep inner healing, this girl and others like her will be likely scarred and wounded their whole lives and incapable of the incredible joys of love, wholesome, healthy love. this is what we're talking about, the kind of thing, the strongholds that hold people captive within their own inner self. The knowledge of God is able to take these captive. And notice, produce out of this obedience to Christ number six that God will grant boldness in sharing the gospel that was a part of what Paul was asking the Philippians to pray for himself and now Lord hear their threats give us your servants great boldness in proclaiming your word Then they proclaim the word of God with boldness. I want you to, you may have noticed this already. Often when I encounter the word preaching or preached, I translate it into proclaiming. I want to explain why I'm doing that. First, the Greek word can go either way. But I'm convinced you, majority of you, have such a narrow view of preaching that when you encounter the word preach you exclude yourself from it that word's not talking exclusively about what I'm doing right here right now you can be a proclaimer of the gospel you do it in those small groups You do it in your family. Don't discount yourself because you might never stand in front of a group like this behind a stand or a a pulpit or whatever is called there. When you encounter the word preach, don't think of this setting. You think of those settings. And this prayer is that we will boldly proclaim the gospel we will share it freely and fully his seventh prayer request is a fresh anointing for disciple makers that that will live our daily lives with that awareness of what jesus proclaimed in luke chapter 4 as he read from isaiah the spirit of the lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. A fresh anointing for Megan and every other educator in our county, in the neighboring counties. Increase in signs and wonders. When we encounter some of these that leave us almost feeling hopeless, those are the moments that we just long. Lord, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Empower us. To bring healing and wholeness. His ninth prayer request is protection for workers in the field. Matthew 10, when Jesus sends the 12 out two by two, he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. That sounds like a failure in the making. But remember, he's the one who's putting them on this mission. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. There, there's a way to go into places of weakness, our weakness. And it's with the Lord's power and authority. And it's a part of what we proclaim, what we pray for, what we intercede for, that God will protect his workers in the field. Number 10, the resources for the work to be done. Later in Philippians, chapter 4, verse 19, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God's got all the resources he needs. Will we tap into those? Do we acknowledge, do we recognize he has what we need? Number 11, multiplication in the hearts of people that would lead to movements. Generations producing generations, producing generations. John 15, 8, Jesus says, this is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. multiplication in our hearts that would lead to movements number 12 other movements and disciple makers around the world another of paul's prayers for a different congregation those in thessalonica we always thank god for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. From time to time it's been noted that there's some deficiencies among those of us who serve as shepherds. I think historically probably one of our biggest weaknesses is we've not done a great job communicating with the congregation. The one place that I see God growing us, and it's always been present from my first time of meeting with the shepherds here years and years ago now, is prayer now we're, we're not the world's best intercessors but I can assure you that you and your family and others are interceded for prayer always has a significant place In our gatherings. And I see it growing. We don't grasp it. We don't fully. Embody it yet. But we believe it. And we will continue. And we desperately need your prayers, your intercession, your pleading God's promises for us and for our families. and your work of pleading God's promises for this community and for your neighborhoods and for the city and the county and the region. Years ago, Brother John Gardner was here. I I don't remember the time, whether it was during a worship period or during a prayer time. And he saw a vision of a whirlwind of fire right here in this building. unknown to a group there, there there's a group of intercessors for the city the county the region that used to meet at greenhouse and early in the days of covid we ended up over in steve howell's backyard steve served as an elder shepherd here with us at, for a season and went out and started a house church and steve and a couple of other guys keep this prayer group going on thursdays and when the weather started getting bad. They asked, Could we meet at Stones River? Guess where that group sits to pray? Right up here in a big circle. Guess where the shepherds meet when we meet here in the building? Right, right up here in a big circle. I can't be a part of either of those gatherings and not think about that vision. Now some of you may think, John, you really have gotten off weird by hanging out with the Africans. And I'm good with that. I I think it's a good weird. But I believe God is doing something in calling us into this becoming more and more a community of prayer and intercession. If you doubt your ability to impact our world for good. Please go back and restudy these passages. And reconsider what you can do as an intercessor. And recognize, you know. Paul does some remarkable things recorded in Acts and in his letters. But he puts a whole lot of the credit to a lot of those folks out in those churches who are praying for him. You may not become a trainer of disciple makers. You may not become a missionary family. But there are missionary families on the field who know they're being held up by folks just like you and me. And there's work that happens here only because it happens in the heavenly realms. John preached that series of sermons through Daniel and there's some different views about the millennia and the you know, thousand year reign, a lot of stuff like that, that a lot of folks get lost in. The thing about Daniel that has radically impacted me, and I never could have guessed it, is the teaching, I think it's over around chapter 9, about the prince of this region. My spiritual worldview is different regions of the globe are controlled, influenced, I don't know the right word, by demonic spirits. And pragmatically speaking, you can't just take up a successful disciple maker from one place and plop them down in another place and automatically anticipate they're going to be successful. Because of what I just described. These principalities and powers have certain ways of doing things that control and damage and destroy in their region. And the kingdom strategies that push back the darkness there don't apply so readily to very different strategies here. Here. Greg and Megan spent a lot of time, rightly so, on cross-cultural differences and how they make a difference. One of the things that sometimes we lose sight of is we're in a much bigger spiritual world. There's some of your neighbors who are from some of those other regions. And if the things that you've typically seen work aren't working, maybe this is a piece of it. But the thing I would point to is, Jesus is over them all. And a part of what God's doing in the continuation of time is systematically placing every principality and power under Jesus' feet. And Paul reveals the very last enemy who will go there will be death. And the more we experience the death of our loved ones, the more we long for the day when death is finally eradicated. And our experience around the throne. There will be no more death. There will be no more dying. Come quickly Lord Jesus.